Welcome aboard. Glad to have you here. You're now the uh, second lion I've had on. So I had right. Howie, Snowden, Howie Snowden on already. Had Mark Clare. Well, no, you're to be the third because I had Mark Clare on too. The third. Yeah. And then I got was, to. Uh, Howie was pretty recent, right? Yeah, Howie was uh, fairly recent. Yeah. Interviewed Mark when I was uh, still up in Dallas for a little bit. Okay. Dark Tom Woods apparently attacked his toilet as a means of changing tactics on all of us. So <laughs> he was waiting for a plumber to come over when I was talking to him. I was like, ah, all right. And then I got uh, Brian McWilliams coming on tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Nice. Even though I forgot to send him the reminder the other day, and he totally forgot. So, like, 9 o'clock at night, I'm sitting here with my recording stuff all set up and just sitting here waiting, waiting. He never showed. I was like, oh, no, something happened. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I I felt bad to reschedule them with you, and in, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have because I sat through that stupid test they did, and it was just a complete disaster. Oh, um, I, of course it was. I, I don't know. <laughs> we we don't have to talk about that, but <laughs> I, I don't know how they're going to do this online election. But it's going to be it'll be weird. Yeah, that that whole <laughs> the whole premise from top to bottom is just going to be strange. It's like just just have the 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 convention somewhere else later. When everything starts to open back up. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? I did like how it caused an argument over mean? whether or not the internet was actually a place for a couple of days. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, I didn't really uh, understand what what the point of that was. <laughs> <laughs> Technical bylaw crap, I guess. Yeah. I like the way uh, Karen Ann Harlos puts it. It's the uh, cult of Roner for Robert's Rules of Order. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty funny. Yeah, even um, even at the last convention, like the uh, the parliamentarian got used quite a bit because I was on the floor as a delegate, and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we're gonna do this one. Someone's gonna make a motion. We're all gonna debate it for a couple of minutes. And I absolutely cannot stand it because it's not how real human beings talk to each other. So this seems like it's fake and forced on everybody. Oh, it's incredibly frustrating. And I think there's there's a certain group of people that like they understand the ins and the outs and it gives them like a feeling of power. Well, the, the chairman himself, uh, Nicholas Sorwark, is one mm-hmm. of them. But uh, it's and they wield that, you know, that they, they love that, that they understand it and they can you know, do different things to manipulate the process or right. That's how they get off, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, something I don't really want to devote a whole lot of time to. So I, I even have like the little um, idiot's guide to the Robert's rules of order book on my shelf. And I've read through it and I was like, mm-hmm. man, this is just, I was like, man, this is an entire profession for some people. <laughs> right. <laughs> But speaking of injustices with legalese, (laughs) you like that segue? (laughs) I do. John Odermatt, Felony Friday. How's it going, buddy? It's going well, man. Going well. Just uh, living living that quarantine life. (laughs) Yeah, there's only so many games of uh, Scrabble and Monopoly that you can play until it just gets completely worn out. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's almost been... uh, and even at the beginning, at the beginning of this thing, 
you know, like we were all excited about doing, uh, my wife and I were excited about doing, uh, playing different Zoom games, Zoom drinking games and stuff with our right. friends we haven't seen for a while. So like the first, uh, you know, the first weeks, maybe three weeks of the weekends there, um, we were we were pretty busy and uh, we were having a great time. Then we realized we are drinking way too much probably <laughs> for, being, for being in quarantine. And uh, so we've, we've cut back on that a little bit, but we still have uh, every pretty much every Saturday, myself and uh, two of my fellow Lions, Brian, who I think is going to be coming on your show soon, and uh, Rico, our official legal counsel. We have our uh, beer pong. Uh, it's not a tournament. It's just the three of us. But we have a, a three-person uh, beer pong tournament every, every uh, Saturday. So hmm. that's been a good time. How exactly are you playing beer pong through Zoom? That seems kind of weird. Yeah, it's not as weird. Like when I first heard it, heard about it, I thought it was weird too, but it's not as weird as you think. Like all you have to do is set up your camera or your iPad or whatever, your computer right behind the cups that you're shooting at. And uh, you just shoot. And if you make a cup, you just, you just fill the cups with water because you're not drinking those cups. Yeah. So you fill the cups you're shooting on with water. You make one, you know, hold it up, say I made this. And the other person just drinks and then they shoot and <laughs> they make one, you drink. So it's actually pretty fun. Um, All right, then. I don't know. Passes the time. <laughs> I was in there when you said beer pong. I was like, <clears throat> this is usually uh, kind of like an in-person game. But yeah. I guess you can modify the rules a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to. Yeah, that's uh, a couple of the podcasts that I listen to are like um, comedians that do like movie trivia and stuff. But they've been doing it through Zoom and it just it just doesn't have the same feel because I kind of need like the audience to laugh at their mm-hmm. jokes and everything with them. And so it's like, okay, I'll just pass until everything <laughs> settles down and we can get in front of crowds again. Yeah. That's, that's another piece of this whole thing that like nobody talks about, like the live performers, you know, like musicians and comedians who they, they, they like need to be out there like playing to crowds to, you know, try stuff out and see what works. Right. Basically what, what are they doing? They're just sitting around and yeah, they're trying to do zoom, you know, zoom, concerts or zoom uh zoom shows or something and yeah that's it it doesn't work like that yeah i know uh ben bailey the host of cash cab and he's a stand-up comedian too so he's been uh going live on periscope uh, and um and i think it restreams to like twitter and uh, facebook as well mm-hmm. but uh yeah he'll have he'll just like take suggestions and just start working on jokes and everything but it's uh yeah it's just it's definitely something different about it yeah it's kind of like watching one of those old 80s sitcoms with a laugh track behind it. And you're like, ah, that joke really wasn't that funny. But, you know. <laughs> it, like, we just started watching uh, Perfect Strangers. You ever watch that show? Oh, yes. Back with in the uh, day? Cousin Belky. Yeah. yeah. With Belky Botakamus. Yes. Um, and Cousin Larry. And, oh, it's it's so ridiculous. With The laugh track is just so over <laughs> the top. It's, it, I don't know if it makes it better or worse, but it's uh, it's it's something. <laughs> Yeah, probably about the worst part is when something uh, cute happens or, you know, someone says, I'm sorry. And then you get the canned, oh, yeah, (laughs) I think that's even worse than the laugh track. Uh, It's all pretty. It's all pretty awkward. (laughs) Of course, I don't know. Maybe a laugh track might work on my podcast. Just have one running in the back. It might. You could try it out. I mean, you know, it's all kinds of different things people are trying with podcasts nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, there was one I even got uh, sent a DM about. I was like, hey, we got a sketch comedy uh, podcast. I was like, I don't even see how that's going to work, but okay, send me an episode. I'll listen. (laughs) 
I know it's halfway I forget decent. who was telling me this, but there, there was something like some ridiculous number, like 500,000. Maybe, maybe it's not that high. I, I could just be making this up. But there were some absurd number of podcasts that have started during this quarantine. And probably a month from now, they will all be fizzled out, except for like two or three of them. Right. Uh, you may be right about that, but because um, I, I was at one point, I looked at the numbers of amount of podcasts that are available. It was like 700,000. And then uh, a recent one was 900,000. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe so. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you've essentially decentralized radio to a point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's uh, anybody can start one. I literally started this one with just the phone in my car. So it doesn't really take much barrier to entry is basically zero. So, yeah. And it's, uh, it hasn't happened yet because I think they're still sort of figuring out the advertising model, but I mean, just think about the power, like right now, if you have, if if a podcast gets, you know, I think the magic number is about 10,000 downloads per episode. If a podcast can get that, you can monetize it pretty well and maybe get to the borderline where you could possibly make a living off of it. If it's just one person. Yeah, but uh, they're starting to figure out and there's, you know, different uh, podcast hosting companies working on this where if you're able to, you know, bring a group of podcasts together, um, you know, on a you know, a station or, or whatever and uh, sort of aggregate the ads across that, you can definitely start to, to make some money even on these uh, even on podcasts that don't have the, you know, thousands and thousands of, uh, of, of people that are that are downloading it. And if you think about it, like you're able to target so much more, it's so much more refined and precise that if you're, you know, targeting like for, you know, my podcast with just criminal justice reform, if you're, you know, targeting people in, in that just, you know, specific area, that niche, then you're targeting, you know, people, maybe, I don't know, maybe they need lawyers or maybe they need uh, prison consultants or stuff like that. Right. And you can start to get really, uh, really precise and get really efficient with your, with your dollar spent. Yeah, especially since there's, uh, you know, basically a podcast for every kind of niche uh, type of thing that's going on out there. Um, mm-hmm. and you'd be amazed. I, I've seen some where someone will dig up some old TV show and they'll just go through it episode by episode. And <laughs> it was like, okay, that show came out like 20 years ago. Why are we talking about this? I don't think anyone has like old episodes of The Equalizer, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. And people, yeah, people listen. Like yeah. it's 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 amazing. Um, I forget who it was who wrote the uh, wrote the book "A Thousand True Fans," which really all you need in order to uh, you know really monetize a fan base and make a living off of you know s- some value that you're providing to people is just get a thousand people to support you. So as long as you can get there, you're uh, you're doing pretty well. Yep. And, uh, you know, for some of us, it's, uh, you know, that dedicated, you know, 200 listeners or whatever it is that <laughs> downloads my podcast every time it comes out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, thanks guys. <laughs> Keeping me going here. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, felony Friday, it's a, uh, one of the three shows on the lines of Liberty, I guess, uh, variety show is what, how you guys bill it. Um, yeah, the the original libertarian variety show. There's a couple of knockoffs now. A couple of knockoffs. There's, we were the first. <laughs> Yeah, so like the uh, Rolex version spelled with CKS instead of X, right? So There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your show uh, is kind of like the um, 
is the show that's uh, going to highlight all of those injustices that happen in the criminal justice system. And, you know, admittedly, they're, uh, some of them are very hard to listen to, not from the standpoint of like, oh, well, John's stepping over his words and not like that. I have a lot of empathy for my fellow human beings. So hearing some of the cases, you're like, okay, let me stop because I'm starting to get angry <laughs> type of thing. And then let me pick it back up once I calm down. Uh, do you often feel that way when you're listening to some of these stories? I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I do get that feedback. And I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because yeah. I get that feedback pretty often. I'm, I'm not going to say like super frequently, but I've definitely heard that heard that more than maybe any other critique of my show. Right. Um, but personally, when I'm listening to these stories, like the episode that just published uh, today, so we're recording this on May 15th. Yep. Um, with Felix Wall and actually had Felix and his daughter Allegra on the show. And Felix did 26 years in, in, uh, in federal prison for, I mean, I'm not, not to go into the, de- into the details of it, but basically for a conspiracy charge, trafficking, um, uh, crack cocaine, I believe, and yeah. uh, some money laundering, things like that. Um, but when you hear his story and you get in the details of it and you see, I mean, as libertarians, just the injustice of, you know, the state coming in and telling you what you can and can't sell. That's one thing. But when you get into just how unjust the system is, even if you said, okay, that law is fine. The way that they convict someone like like a Felix Walls and I've had many guests like this, where if you don't play their game, if you don't take their plea deal, um, they'll bring people in who are on the, you know, in that same case, the group, a bunch of people together in a case and the ones that are able to, uh, the ones that choose to uh, cooperate and play ball with the feds, then uh, they get nothing. And they'll come in and say, oh, yeah, this guy, he uh, he sold me, you know, two kilos of cocaine and blah, blah, blah. And this is, I mean, they could just be making stuff up. And they probably are most of the time. Right. And they call that ghost drugs. That all goes towards ultimately what you're going to be sentenced on. And Felix ended up being sentenced to originally 30 years. His case is crazy. I don't even understand it. I need, I need, to, I need to spend more time thinking about how, how this actually played out. Yeah, sentenced I was to listening 30 years. to it today on the way back yeah. here. And I was like, I was like, man, they just completely railroaded this guy up one side yeah, and he, down the he, other. He had a judge that had like a personal vendetta against him. Right. And uh, he appealed to 30 years, won the appeal, was retried and got sentenced to life in prison. Um, and, there's, Again, and there's more yeah, like twice <laughs> doesn't even, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy, but he was, he was just released on the, uh, and I'll get around to answer your question. Sorry. Yeah, but, no, uh, that's fine. <laughs> and he, uh, was just released on compassionate, uh, release, uh, because of, uh, you know, the COVID-19 and essentially it was just a hail Mary, hail Mary by his uh, daughter, Allegra, who was instrumental in helping him file appeals and, you know, all these different things throughout the process over the past 26 years. I think she was eight years old when he went into prison, which is just amazing to, uh, to think about. Um, and then she, she, uh, you know, writes the, uh, writes the, uh, I guess through a power of attorney in order to get him out on that compassionate release. Yeah. And he gets out just on, I think it was April 24th when he got out. So when I hear a story like that, where it's, I mean, it's incredibly tragic. And you, I mean, I totally relate, relate to people who are like, you know, I can't even listen to this. You know, the, the system is just ruining people's lives. I mean, there's the individual who's spending the time in prison, but it's probably much worse on the people surrounding that friends, family, oh, yeah. 
loved ones who, you know, have to suffer through that. And, you know, they don't have their dad, they don't have their, you know, husband or, or whatever who's, who's locked away. So I feel that. But at the same time, like these people, so many of them still have a positive attitude. And like the first thing, this is like 99% of the people I talk to who've been through the prison system. The first thing they want to do when they get out is they turn around and they want to help to get other people out. Right. Um, so it's, it's crazy. Um, it's, so that, that sort of gives me, uh, I don't know, it sort of inspires me, I guess it, it motivates me to, uh, to keep going. So I don't, I don't really relate to the same thing as, as, as you referenced and many others have said to me where you just get mad about it. And that's probably because I'm personally invested in it because I'm spending all this time doing these podcasts. But right. um, anyway, that's, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. At, at least for me, I I'll finish every episode, you know, cause I listen to all of them, but there's, you know, there's several points where I got to turn it off and it was like, man, can you believe that they did this, this, and this to this person? Oh my God, I can't believe it. And then, you know, turn it back on, you know, I just use it as a moment to like collect myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get guests on like uh, Larry Levine who comes out and then does everything that he can to help people that are going into the system to help navigate it. And you're like, mm-hmm. man, this, this guy's really doing the work. Oh, Larry Levine. He's, uh, I think he is probably my most popular guest. If you yeah. look at download, download numbers. No, he's a great guy. Uh, if, I love that guy. <laughs> if, if you haven't, uh, yeah, if, if you don't know who Larry Levine is, you can just search Larry Levine probably on, uh, Larry Levine's Felony Friday. It'll probably pop up wherever you listen to podcasts, one of the episodes. But the one I did where he, uh, we were talking about the uh, Jeffrey Epstein case and him, him breaking that down. And basically, um, and this, Larry Levine is a guy who did time in prison himself and really understood the system so well that prisons got sick of him and just constantly moved him around because right. he, was, he was basically controlling um, the prison guards and, and they just couldn't handle him. Yeah. Um, so now when, when he's out, um, as you're just saying, Eric, he's now a prison consultant and he's helping other people to navigate the system and things like that. But for, for him, for a guy like that to come out and point out, OK, well, th- this is ridiculous. I mean, you, you look at his cell, you, you know, how cluttered it was with all this crap in there. That would never be the case. I mean, it's just so obvious that there was, uh, you know, something nefarious to play there. Either he was killed or maybe he was, maybe they stuck him out of there. Who, who knows? Not to, not to get into conspiracies, but <laughs> um, yeah, that's, it's, it's always entertaining having Larry on. Yeah. He, he's one of those guys who's going to tell you the way it is and you may not like what comes out of his mouth, but he'll do it in such a way where you got to kind of laugh at it. Cause he's got like a joke telling style to it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that guy's just fantastic. I, I enjoyed every one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, to hear stories like that where people come out and then it's like, okay, how are we going to help those who are already in? How are we going to help them to get out? And, you know, after they're out, how can we help them to, you know, reintegrate into society where it's fairly obvious that the government doesn't want that at all? You know, you're mm-hmm. going to send somebody away for 10 years for having a plant in their pocket. And then when they get out, you know, say, okay, well, you got to check a box on a on a job form, on a you know, a job application. And once people see that that box is checked, yeah, chances are you're not going to get that job. Uh, same thing when you go to rent an apartment or even go buy a car, you know, it's all, <laughs> it's all dumb in my opinion, because I figured, all right, so allegedly you've repaid your debt to society by spending this time locked away behind us, behind some steel bars. Uh, so everything's good, right? Once you come out, 
that that should be the end of it. You don't have to continue serving that sentence. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem that way to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would one hundred percent agree with that, and I think I think it's just the the problem there is a lot of people just haven't thought that through, like you just explained. Yeah, it's and it's really, I mean, I guess there's two parts to it. You were talking about at the beginning, um, sort of the, the system that it almost it's geared towards recidivism because they're not, uh, you know, they're sending people away to prison and it's called a, you know, it's supposed to be corrections. You're supposed to be corrected. You're supposed to be helped. And there's hardly any of any of that going on unless somebody takes the onus on themselves to do it, which many people do. Um, but a lot of people, they just use that time as a, uh, as a vacation and to learn about other ways to be criminals, other ways to, other ways to steal and cheat and, and defraud people from the other, other people in prison. Right. So when they, and when they do get out, you know, yeah, like, like you said, they can't, uh, they can't find a job because it's, it's very limited <clears throat> what they can do. Sometimes they can't get a driver's license. Most of the time can't get a car um, unless they have family or loved ones who are supporting them, which most of them, you know, don't because unfortunately, I, I think, I think in society, even the even family members, and you know, it's it's hard to like say a blanket statement like this, but I would I, I'll say this: I, I'll encourage anyone out there who has a loved one or a friend who has uh, ended up in prison. Maybe they've done something wrong. Maybe they've done something immoral, or maybe they've done something. You know, like like you know, selling marijuana, which hurts nobody, but is still illegal in uh, well, it's definitely illegal federally and illegal in most states. Right. But at, at the same time, I mean, I would just encourage family members to remember, you know, that this is a person that needs your help, and even if they stole from you, I mean, it's it's on it's on us as citizens and uh, communities to help these people integrate back into society and be useful citizens. Because if you don't then the same thing is going to happen. And uh, the prison system as it is right now is set up for that to continue to happen, that continue to be recycled through, continue to be recycled through. And it's a, uh, it's a public safety issue really. And your second question, I forget what it was. But. <laughs> All right. Well, hold on just a second. We'll be right back. Hey y'all, before we get back into it, I just want to tell you about a new podcast I learned about. It's called the porcupine perspective. Check them out. Porcupine, P-O-V dot porcupinepodcast.com. Uh, just that you see that it, that society is, um, you know, almost turns a blind eye to it um, or just completely ignorant about it. I mean, until your show come along, you know, you didn't know that maybe the halfway house was probably the best thing that they had going because at least they had shelter. But even then, you know, uh, those places are kind of filled up with other people trying to trying to get out as well. But, uh, yeah, just the, the fact uh, that they're still serving the sentence long after they've left those prison walls is just the way uh, mm-hmm. society beats them up over it. You know, I can't even yeah. get gun community to say, OK, well, these felons have served their time. They should get their gun gun rights back. And I get looked at like I've got three horns grown out of my head. Yeah, I mean, with with the gun thing, I mean, it's it's so absurd. I mean, even if you look at like uh, on a recent episode of Felony Friday, I had a uh, Howie Snowden. Um, on one of my fellow fellow uh, Lions of Liberties who's been on your show before. And we were talking about the Duncan Lemp case, which I'm sure your audience is familiar with oh, up yeah. there in uh, uh, Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, where police, it looks like, as his lawyers are saying and eyewitnesses are saying, his girlfriend who was in the bed next to him, pregnant girlfriend who was in the bed next to him, saying that they shot him um, from outside in his bed. He was he was shot and killed. Right. Um, 
and the justification for that raid uh, for that raid even happening was because allegedly, which his lawyer has disputed this, they're saying that somebody had reported him an anonymous tip saying that he had firearms and due to a juvenile uh, conviction of some kind, might not even been a conviction, um, that he wasn't allowed to have firearms, I think until the age of 30. And he was 21 when they killed him in the middle of the night. So it's, that, that's, ins- that's just insanity that, that that's able to happen, that that's that's red flag laws that somebody yeah. can give an anonymous tip and then cops can just raid your house yeah it's yeah and uh you know shout out to jim bovard who's been doing uh all the legwork on that story you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it seems like the rest of the uh, corporate press isn't going to touch it with a 10-foot pole but uh yeah jim will get out there and you know beat the yeah, pavement that's the over only it. way jim's really the only way at least that i've seen that any new information is really coming out because the the cops have just they've just clammed up yeah. Um, it's, it's I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I mean, uh, I'm not very optimistic. You you would think that if you would think that if say the cop story is true, which even if it is true, it's still ridiculous. They were able to, able to get the warrants and do that in the first place. But, th- right. but that aside, if the cops are telling the truth and they did their you know SWAT raid and they came in and Duncan, they claimed that he grabbed a uh, you know grabbed a gun and was essentially, you know, ready to to shoot back essentially right. is what is what the, their side of the story says. Um, I mean, e- even if you believe that it's, 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 it's insanity. Why would you want, why would you want a house raided where there's a woman there with a pregnant child? I mean, why would you not try to, you know, get the guy when he's out grocery shopping or something? It's, it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's almost like they want a confrontation, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, and Maryland is no, no stranger to that. Uh, do we even still know what happened to Freddie Gray on his little uh, trip from the uh, prison to the court in the back of that truck? <laughs> you know, this is yeah, the same place. I, I mean, there, I don't think there's, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever know what would really happen there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he had what he had a knife on him, right? That was his crime. He was carrying a knife. Yeah. There's like, Ooh. And he, and he, and he ran away somebody. from the police. Oh yes. Can't and, do that. Uh, well, why do you think he ran away from the police? Well, look, he was justified too because he had to end up killing him. So yeah. he probably should have been running away from the police. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole, uh, you can't run away from a cop. You can't cuss out a cop, <laughs> you know, type of thing. It's like, I was like, they are a human being just the same as you are. And just because they wear a costume and a badge mm-hmm. doesn't make that any different. You Absolutely. Know? So I should be able to go and flip up, flip out a cop, you know, and just, just say, you know, fuck off, you know, but what what are you going to do? You can't tell talk to some of these people about that. It was like, oh no, you should never do that. You should always show respect. I was like, no, no, not always. Well, I mean, I, I would encourage people, yeah, do, do what you're comfortable with. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to tell some, you know, tell some, uh, you know, Karen out there in her minivan to go start flicking <laughs> off cops. And, but I mean, it's if if you see police officers, you know, abusing their rights and doing something wrong. Um, Probably maybe don't flick them off, but turn on your cell phone camera and start recording it. Oh, yeah. And uh, get, get some documentation there. And uh, I don't know if, if it's your yeah, if it's, if it's your prerogative to uh, to flick up, flip off a cop at a traffic light. If you want to do that, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, just be aware, you know, stuff may happen afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, you know, buyer beware on that one. So, <laughs> uh, 
So uh, anything new coming up that we should all be looking out for next Friday on your show or another conspiracy corner or degenerate gamblers that you might be a part of? Well, I mean, if we do degenerate gamblers, that's in uh so degenerate gamblers is a show in our lines of Liberty pride, which uh, this is the off season here. Well, I guess it's quarantine. So even if it was sports going on, it'd be off season, but we still do it. And it's basically just, just a, uh, turns into story time with myself and Brian McWilliams and, uh, and Rico just telling stories, <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> stories from our past, but we would talk a little bit of creative ways to, uh, to gamble. And of course we have the, uh, the beer pong that I talked about, right. Talked about earlier with, uh, Eric, I guess that was pre-show. I don't remember. It's all, it's all blending together now. Yeah. But, uh, for, for the show, you know, there's, you know, there, there, I do have more guests coming up. There are a lot of people getting out of prison right now, nonviolent offenders getting out on compassionate release. Thankfully, yeah. there's a lot more that I wish were getting out who, who aren't. But it seems like every day, almost every day, I see one more get out and one more get out. So I'll continue to uh, to bring them on the show. I, I am excited about, and this is not finalized yet, so I'm not sure which week it's going to be. But I do want to bring Lynn Ulbricht back on the show, Ross oh, Ulbricht's nice. mom. Yeah. Um, to uh, get an update on anything that's changed in that case. And also just to keep that, I, I just want to keep that in the news and keep it relevant, especially with all these people who are getting, uh, you know, their prison sentence, you know, commuted or, um, you know, Trump doing different things to, uh, to pardon people. So just keeping that out there, you know, and, and when I do do an episode like that, I encourage people to send it direct, tweet it directly to president Trump. But yeah. so I, I do want to bring Lynn back on, and also uh, Tyler Colford, who is a uh, member of our Lions, Lions of Liberty Pride, and he's a uh, musician. He uh, has a, uh, a song dedicated to uh, Ross Ulbricht and, and freeing him that we're going to promote as well. I'm going to bring Tyler on the show to talk about that. So that'll be in the next uh, next couple of weeks. Um, and one thing I just did want to talk about for for those people listening who, who don't know me or don't know my story, just if I can just tell a, a real quick story about sort of why I started Felony Friday to give some background. Sure. The floor is yours. Um, Because I think it ties in with what you were talking about with a lot of people just don't, uh, they don't understand the importance of criminal justice reform and just how far gone our criminal justice system is. We have the most people by far out of any country, the most people incarcerated, not even close, Um, which would mean one of two things. It means we over-incarcerate or it means we have the most amount of criminals who are, uh, you know, breaking the law. It means we, we over-incarcerate and we have too many laws. Right. But so I, I grew up in a, uh, you know, fairly insulated bubble suburb environment outside of uh, Pittsburgh and Southwestern PA. And, you know, went to college, all that stuff, yada, yada. Had my first job in uh, Georgia, moved out to California. And I was working in uh, a manufacturing environment in the uh, Inland Empire area, which for those not familiar with the area, it's about about an hour directly east of Los Angeles. Yeah. It's like in sort of the desert. It's like between Palm Springs and L.A. Yeah, uh, It's basically there's nothing there except for manufacturing and heat. It's freaking hot as shit. It's up like 100 and 110 degrees. But anyway, so I'm working out there. My first like, uh, you know, super, super supervisory type job that, that I'd had and I'm helping the like one of the first things the plant manager put me on, he wanted me to help the HR department to hire new people. And at this time I had a, a very, uh, I guess I want to say misguided view of uh, people who'd done time in prison. I just, I, I guess I just had 
society's general view, you know, I'd been indoctrinated in public school to think this way, that people who had gone to prison had done something wrong and they were a tier below the rest of society. That's how I thought. Um, I'm not defending that now. But so when I was given a stack of resumes to sort through and I sorted through them um, and I'm looking through these resumes, look at pick up one uh, felon, put it in the discard pile, pick up another one, misdemeanor, put it in the discard pile. And I'm like not even reading like anything else, work experience, just that that thing alone is discrediting these uh, these people in my eyes. Right. So I take the uh, much smaller stack uh, to the plant managers saying that oh, these are the people we should probably interview, bring them in for some testing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he starts paging through them and he looks up at me and he's like, how's this possible that none of these people have a criminal record? We always, we always have people with a criminal record. That's our, that's our job pool. I mean, half the people on the floor right now have a, have a criminal background. Yeah. And I'm just like, my mind is completely blown. I'm like, what? You kidding me? <laughs> Uh, so that was a huge eye opener. Then over the next couple months, um, working out there, getting to know people personally who you know done time in prison, and you know getting to spend time, you know going golfing with them, um, you know getting to uh, you know learn about their families and different things like that. Seeing their work ethic and how hard they worked, it totally changed my mindset. And honestly, I wish that, as you were talking about before, it's just a blind spot for people in society. They don't see that it's so harmful to not give uh, formerly incarcerated individuals a second chance, a chance to get a job, a chance to get an apartment, a chance to buy a car, a chance to add value to society. So I wish that more people, I was, I, I count myself very lucky that I had that experience and I wish more people had it. Yeah. Um, and a manufacturing job like that, which is going to be pretty stable employment, you know, it could be, the thing that uh, the prisoner may come out and say, all right, well, with this stable job and a fairly stable environment, I can show to everyone that, you know, I'm not this, you know, how everyone thinks of him is like once a criminal, always a criminal, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, this is my chance to show that I'm better than that. And, or to, you know, just come out and say, you know what, at least the job will keep me out of trouble, <laughs> you know, at bare minimum. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I, I think a job like that or, uh, a, uh, a skill, you know, yeah. like a craft labor skill, like maybe being a welder, something like that, or an electrician or a plumber, getting out of prison and getting a job like that, even better if they can learn the skill while they're still incarcerated. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a perfect situation to come out into because you can, you can really prove yourself on your work. And eventually you can get to a point if you're, you're a plumber, electrician, you can start your own thing. Yep. And, uh, start and your you've own had several and, guests that are like that too. Yeah. Where absolutely. they learn welding in, in the pen. And then when they come out, that's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I've been welding stuff for like five years now. So I've already got built in work experience. Yeah. I, I have a guy, uh, I've had a guy on twice, Michael Monsivice out in California who not only has he, not only did he excel while he was in prison, you know, learning how to weld and then getting out of prison, but he has turned around and he has started welding programs in prison to teach people how to weld and then also worked with companies and unions to find them jobs as soon as they got out of prison. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, you can, you couldn't ask for a better situation than that, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you can get those people, you know, in front of a hiring manager to say, yeah, by the way, I know him, you know, he, he's definitely going to do the work. No problems there. So that's uh absolutely it's those type of stories that we all have to keep in the back of our minds too. Uh, while we listen to your show, it's like, look, we know that it's going to be 
horrible up front, but on the other side of that, something good may come out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's hard, it's hard to frame it. It's hard to frame it up. And I I do struggle with this on the show because I, I I want people to look at it as um, obviously see the injustice, but also see the person overcoming the injustice, see the individual who's, you know, achieving things that society said, or, you know, society assumes they are not able to achieve uh, after they get out of prison. So I want to frame it up as almost a, it can be motivational to anyone because I think a lot of us sort of get locked in our own sort of mental prisons. Um, And I think, I think that the quarantine we're going through now has busted a lot of people free from that to a certain degree. You know, I I know, you know, myself, I, I, I get stuck in it too. And, before, before we had this uh, COVID thing, just going to work every day, commuting, you know, an hour to work each way or whatever it is for people. And you get stuck in this, in this, like, uh, you know, this lull that you're just, you don't, you have the blinders on and you're just focused on going to work, coming home, spending some time with your family, going to work, coming home. And you create your own sort of, sort of prison around you. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hopeful with, with this COVID with, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people have lost their jobs. People have lost businesses, which is absolutely terrible. And, I'm not condoning any of the, you know, actions by governors or the federal government or anything to close down any businesses. That's, that should not have happened. Right. What I am saying is maybe it's given some people a different perspective on uh, some different ways they can organize their own life. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, uh, you know, even if you've never had any dealings with the criminal justice system, you don't know anybody that's had dealings with the criminal justice system and, you you can come away with some of those stories of like, well, I mean, if this guy can basically start below the bottom, you know, coming out of prison and then mm-hmm. starting a business, there's no excuse for you not to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, it is motivating, especially when you get guests on like that. It's like, it's like, wow, they completely turned everything around and they've gotten these several other people in similar positions too. So one of my uh, one of my first guests, a guy by the name of Cos Marte, he was probably like episode nine or something. It was really early. Um, I need to have him back on to get an update. It's a good reminder. Um, yeah, there you he, go. <laughs> so he was in prison. He was severely overweight. Uh, he he was in such bad shape that I think I think he had was having some major health issues. Yeah. Um, uh, with with his heart and different things. He lost something absurd, like 150 pounds in prison, started his own prison workout program while in prison. Then he gets out and he starts just working out in the park, doing his prison workouts in the park. And people just uh, are drawn to him and start just voluntarily coming and doing these workouts with him. Before he knows it, he's running these just sort of voluntary free boot camps, helping other people get in shape. Yeah. And it dawns on him, light bulb goes off. Wait a minute, I should start a business. Yeah. So he started a, uh, now, and New York city and surrounding area. He has multiple gyms. I want to say six or seven different gyms and the name of the, uh, the gym is escaping me, but basically it's prison workouts. You go there and you get, you get your ass kicked with a prison workout yeah. and, and you get in shape. Yeah. And yeah, I think I remember that. Um, I think I remember that guest now that you're, mm-hmm. now that you're talking about it, but yeah, it's, it's really funny how you can see one guy just kind of working out by himself and, you know, the next thing you know, he's got two people working out with him every morning and mm-hmm. they just make it out of a habit. And then the next thing you know, now the guy has six gyms <laughs> in a very yeah. densely populated area and he's probably making bank. You know, he yeah. couldn't ask for a better story than that. That's great. 
I guess the uh, laws of attraction definitely worked for him on that one. So uh. yeah, and then and I, I did see this too. You know, obviously because you know Kami Cuomo came in and shut down everything in New York, oh, but yeah. he quickly he quickly transitioned from uh, you know because he couldn't have his gyms open. I saw he was doing uh, you know online training classes. So he's a true entrepreneur. He knows how to navigate <laughs> the system. Well, the uh, the governor of Michigan, I think, takes the cake for you know worst governor <laughs> of all time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. She has just been uh, psycho. I, I, you know, and I hate to, <laughs> I hate to uh, diagnose somebody that I've never met. But I mean, when you can't go buy seeds at a store to plant stuff on your own, you know, and it's like one set of the rules: like gardening is okay as long as it's by yourself, but you can't buy seeds. You're like, who wrote these rules? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. That's that's just complete, completely insane. Um, and that's, that's the type of stuff that, you know, will make people think, which maybe, maybe, maybe rightfully so that, you know, this is sort of intentional and they're trying to, you know, ruin people's lives. If you can't buy freaking seeds, I mean, what, (laughs) I don't know. It's like never in human history has human beings never been allowed to grow things. You know, that's, that just seems so anti-human. It's not, (laughs) I, I laugh only because of how just ridiculous it sounds on the face. I, like if I had wrote a science fiction novel where an alien race comes to earth and they lay down all of these ridiculous rules, you know, and then earth rises up against them. I, I, you know, I would just be borrowing from today's headlines. Yeah. I saw, it was probably from Michigan. Um, I saw a meme you know, posted and it had the seeds there in a home Depot or somewhere. And it had the yellow tape across it. Big sign says non-essential. Yeah. Oh, so it's not it's not essential to grow food and eat. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw another one where it was like the typical back alley guy in a trench coat and he's opening up one of the thing and it's had all these uh, seed packets and he goes, hey, you want to buy some seeds? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's all kinds of nuts. But uh, I do appreciate you coming on and spending time with us. Uh, do you have any uh, plugs to drop right here? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for uh, for having me on, and thanks for uh, you know listening to Felony Friday. I do appreciate that. I just encourage the uh, your listeners to, if they haven't already, or even if they have, to uh, to go again and uh, listen to uh, what we have at Lions of Liberty. You can find the Lions of Liberty podcast anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found. Whatever your favorite podcasting app is, I'm sure we have it. Yep. And uh, yeah, check out our Monday show hosted by Mark Clare, which is our longest running program. And it's uh, sort of more focused on philosophy and politics and um, not, not always Mark has gotten, I guess more recently he's gotten into some entrepreneurial things, bringing on, uh, you know, people who are, uh, you know, traveling, you know, traveling the globe, I guess expats is the word I'm looking for how to make money as a, as an expat traveling the globe. So some interesting things he's done there. And then Brian on Wednesday with electric Liberty land, and Brian, if you've heard uh, Electric Liberty Land, he is one of a kind. He's, he's a comedian, so he keeps things very, uh, very entertaining. And uh, if uh, probably not one to listen to with your kids, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. And then, and then on Friday, Felony Friday, of course, uh, with me, we're we're digging into the criminal justice system. And most of the time, it's uh, kid friendly. But if we do have, as we talked about a little while ago with Larry Levine, you might not want to uh, <laughs> play Larry in front of your kids because they'll probably drop some f bombs. Probably. Definitely. (laughs) But it's all good. You just want to shake the guy's hand. It's like, I appreciate you for being you. (laughs) Absolutely. 
All right, John. Well, thanks a lot again. Uh, and by the way, uh, everybody out there, definitely, if you're already subscribed, definitely go give them a rating and review because that'll get uh, the, the podcast in front of uh, new eyeballs and new ear holes, as I like to say. So uh, thanks again, John. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next time. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. All right. No problem. And oh, that was awesome. Thanks a lot. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. When's this going to, do you have a mapped out when it's going to air? Yeah, I uh, when I asked for people to come on, I got inundated with a whole bunch of requests. So I was like 18 guests in total. <laughs> nice. So it may be a couple of weeks before this one comes out, but I'll uh, okay. I'll tag you in it uh, everywhere and um, let you know then. So yeah, shoot me the uh, link when it publishes, and I'll send it out all over our social media. All right, sweet. All right, man. We'll take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your all day. Right, okay. You too. See you. All right. Out. All right, and there he goes, folks. And like I said, you know, go subscribe if you haven't already. And if you do subscribe, leave a rating and review. Hey, hey, you, yeah, you, the one in the back over there pointing at his chest saying, who, me? Yeah, you. Go leave a rating and review for mine as well, okay? Um, so while on the subject, I guess I can uh, pull up my feed and see if I have any new reviews this week or today. Doing live on air show prep. Gotta love that. Scroll, scroll, scroll. But you won't hear any of this because all of this will be edited out afterwards. Okay, so yeah, I'm actually just gonna delete all of that because I haven't received any new rating and reviews. This makes me a sad ginger. Okay? Alright. Anyways, guys, uh, also check down the show notes because I have a Teespring store that's got t shirts coffee mugs, and a hat that says, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff on it. Come on now. You guys want to be the advocates for a free society, you know, got to let people know. I got other stuff on there too. I even have the uh, the Childerberg mug. That's right. It's uh, my little crazy 80s themed meme on it. It says, totally not a cult. We promise. And uh, on the back it says, I survived Childerberg. And all the proceeds to that go directly to Free Ross that we mentioned in this episode. So there you go, guys. Um, also, uh, update for Childerberg, which will have already happened. Um, so we'll be looking forward to Childerberg Tree, which is Russian for three, I think. And um, so Childerberg Dose, uh, I could not make it. Yeah, uh, money's a little tight. Couldn't make it out. Um, so I hope everyone had a good time. So I'll be looking forward to those stories when they come out after that. Uh, but I'll be looking forward to the third one, of course. So we'll see you guys there. But if you guys want to stay involved with uh, all things Childerberg, head on over to Twitter and go follow the at Childerberg name on there. That's uh, Jake from Tasting Anarchy. And uh, he kind of runs the ship over there. And if you got any suggestions, you know, put it out his way. Um, but yeah, anyways, guys, uh, we'll see you later on a, another episode of Rebel with a Cause. But for this one, 